Hi everyone. Welcome to Martech Brain, a netcore initiative where we speak to the best brains in Martech and digital leaders and delve deep into one topic. My guest today is Lito Villanueva, Executive Vice President and Chief Innovation and Inclusion Officer, Rizal Commercial Banking Corporation, RCBC, Philippines. He is also Chief Digital Transformation Advisor, Yachunko Group of Companies, and Chairman of FinTech Alliance, Philippines. Lito has been a thought leader on digital transformation and inclusive digital finance. He has over 20 years of experience in banking, telecom, payments, development finance, and financial technology. He has got over 50 global and regional awards, including being cited as one of the top 100 fintech leaders in Asia and the first and only Filipino. So welcome to Martech Brain, Lito. Thank you. Thanks so much, and it's a pleasure to be with you. And our chosen topic for our conversation today is trends in fintech, and we'll dig deeper into that. And as we uh, go forward, let me start uh, by asking uh, you, Lito, tell us a little bit more about RCBC and your role, and of course, the digital transformation that uh, the bank has gone through over the past year. Okay. Well, I think to start, well, I think you have um, so many online viewers uh, that are practically all over the world, right? So just to give you a snapshot of who RCBC is or Rizal Commercial Banking Corporation, uh, it is a uh, universal bank that has been in existence for over, for about 60 years now under the Yuchenko Group of Companies. You know? And it's one of the leading, bank, uh, leading banks in the Philippines. Um, and of course, one of the things that we've been trying to push is uh, the massive digitalization efforts uh, uh, even prior to COVID-19. And in fact, during the COVID-19 period, I mean, this pandemic, uh, we have seen exponential growth when it comes to uh, transaction volume and value, uh, even reaching up to a four-digit growth rate no, uh, for some of the digital channels um, during the hard lockdown. And um, we are also delighted that uh, during the that lockdown period, uh, this pandemic, uh, all our digital efforts um, that, you know, the, that have been successful uh, so far in terms of consumer adoption, uh, given this uh, you know, three, three to even four digit growth rate, uh, merited uh, up to five global awards. No? Um, and we've been cited uh, or been named as the Philippines best digital bank. Um, and that's actually the first, uh, you know, the first digital bank awards that uh, that RCBC ever got. No? Um, and, you know, in a matter of less than a year, we were able to, uh, you know, to change the landscape for uh, for RCBC, and also become the you know one of uh, the leading digital bank players in the in the country, and in fact, um, uh, we've been also tapped by by government uh, in dispersing, um, you know, uh, emergency cash subsidy for affected families impacted by the pandemic. And we've done that through the use of digital, our digital platforms. No? And in fact, we have it benefited uh, around um, more than, uh, you know, how many, uh, 3 million um, families uh, that would now cover about 12 million individuals. No, Sorry, 4.5 million families. So I think, um, and so we have, in, ter in terms of strategy, we have, uh, two, uh, you know, two markets to be able to uh, capture. One is the mass affluent and the mass market. So we have 
uh, different, you know, different products and services that would cater to those segments. And I think um, with, us, with this pandemic, it further accelerated the digital, digital transformation of organizations across industries, across segments, across sectors, because it is a matter of how you thrive and survive during this during this crisis. And I think um, during that time, we are the only, uh, so we already have an existing uh, um, mobile app or digital you know, uh, services or products that would be catered to the mass affluent, but it was only in the, the during the time of the pandemic that we were able to launch. It is actually the first and only mobile app that was launched at the height of the pandemic. This is called uh, Discarte. So we were supposed to launch that on March 18, but unfortunately the government declared the hard lockdown on March 16. So therefore all events have been canceled. You know, all Filipinos, uh, you know, were actually asked to stay at home and only the essential services have uh, been allowed to operate. Uh, so drugstores, hospitals, and practically less than 50% of branch network of branches have uh, have been opened, right? So there's limited mobility. So it was only in July that we were able to launch what we call the country's first and only Taglish inclusion super app called Discartec. So uh, in fact, after a month from the launch, we were able to get, uh, we were able to record more than a million mobile app downloads. It's the quickest actually um, in the Philippines because some of the players have actually reached their one million mark even after after even after a year. No? Uh, and now uh, three years from the time that we launched, three months from the, from the time that we launched it, it we, are, we are now uh, more than 3 million down, uh, mobile app downloads. Mm -hmm. So the first month that we launched it, um, uh, it was we ranked number four. And the following month, we ranked number one in terms of uh, Google Play ranking. Uh, and that was really a, a delightful, you know, a, a delight to all of us because we've been, of course, the good thing here in your in your podcast, it's about MarTech, right? So marketing technology, etc. And at the end of the day, uh, no matter how robust your system is, no matter how sexy your mobile app is, uh, if it is not known to the public, if it is not, you know, um, embraced by the public, it's doomed to fail, right? So because at the end of the day, you don't want to be your product to be a best kept secret. You want you want everyone to know about it, right? So, but again, the challenge has been, um, how do you now make your product proposition or your product itself stand out from a very crowded space already? Because in the Philippines, we have almost 200 mobile apps. And on top of that, of course, we know that we have more than 4 million mobile apps worldwide. So, and, you know, practically everyone would be you know, would be uh, would be able to uh, download and make use of any mobile app available worldwide, right? So that's the beauty of going digital because it's borderless, right? So again, with that thing in mind, so you know, you now have to come up with uh, the best, in, in, you know, best innovative ways of uh, of presenting your product to the public, right? So, and how can you now differentiate yourself and make yourself stand out from the from that, as I've said, from that crowded. Uh, place right so a good thing we were able uh, we were success quite successful in uh, in making that differentiation differentiation at the same time how we will how we were able to package it uh, to the public right and and in fact um, uh, on top of that being you know having the, those uh, you know exponential um, growth in terms of mobile app downloads practically it's uh, 1 million every month right so but of course we know that it will taper off along the way right so but the thing here is you're able to the the hard the most difficult part is still 
on how you can now um, you know sustain it, right? Um, and also um, on top of that, so of course I'm uh, I'm a, a data driven guy in terms of having to analyze all the behavior in so far as uh, you know having to go through your data analytics, right? So it's um, everything has to be based on empirical evidence. So uh, and we are very much into that, right? So for example, we've uh, we're also we have also tools such as social listening, uh, being able to find out whether, you know, um, you know, netizens are also, you know, getting along with our messaging, right? So in fact, two weeks after we've launched it, um, our uh, social uh, positive uh, rating, social uh, positive rating was actually at 94.5%. And very recently, about a week ago, our latest uh, uh, positive sentiment rating in social media is at 99.5%. So it's actually, it's even further improving. So again, it's the messaging, it's the packaging, it's how you communicate it to the public uh, and how they will now be embracing it. Because again, uh, the ultimate metric of success is of course, uh, consumer adoption, right? On how they will be able to use it, how they will be able to retain it and how they will be able to also promote it amongst their families and friends. So I think that's the way to go. And that's a fantastic overview. Um, I think it's a remarkable success uh, in a very short period of time. Um, Lito, I want to back up a little bit. And I think you've, you're an uh, amazing speaker. You, you've given, you give a lot of talks. I want you to just educate our viewers, listeners on you know, uh, the whole area of digital and inclusive finance. So what are your views on this? And why is this becoming so important uh, going forward? Okay, I think um, I've been in the uh, inclusive digital finance uh, space for quite a long time. And I think for you to be able to, for you to be a successful, um, you know, practitioner in this particular space, you have to be an advocate, right? You have to believe in it, right? You have to have that passion that you are not just doing this for business, but you are also doing this for, you know, for economic and social impact that would really redound to the benefit of the, you know, of your target market would be, which would be the unbanked or underserved segment of the population. So in the case of the Philippines, um, we have practically 70% of the popula population to still be part of the, what we call the uh, unbanked or underserved. In fact, I have uh, I, I've coined a, a different phrase for that. Um, uh, this would be the financially uh, disadvantaged uh, segment of the society because they don't have the the means by which they will be part of the formal financial system. So that's why uh, there are several you know individuals that are very susceptible to being victimized by informal lenders, by, you know, uh, um, by loan sharks and, you know, and so on and so forth, right? So because, again, the, because the concepts or the, uh, or the idea or, you know, the things that we should be pushing forward would be more on financial education, digital literacy, uh, and even consumer protection, right? So because they don't even understand the, the very concepts or terminologies about, you know, about interest, about, you know, about compounding interest, about, you know, about investments mm -hmm. or about, even about savings, et cetera, et cetera. So for them, uh, for as long as I get, I get the cash and, you know, uh, and that's it without even with no regard at all as to how much will I be paying it back. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so that's the whole problem, because again, the issue is that the formal 
sector, which would be the, the banks and other non-bank financial institutions, are not so keen to really uh, lend them because, again, because of the absence of a, of a credit score. Hence, because of technology, because of digital platforms, we could now provide them with ways on how they can be part of the formal financial system, such as, for example, uh, you know, um, having to have a credit scoring algorithm uh, as part of your alternative way of providing them a score right and but of course uh, doing that is one thing but having to educate them on the importance of credit score is another thing right so that's why i think for my my personal view is that it starts you know in all of this because the financial inclusion uh, financial inclusion piece is a very wide um uh you know uh topic uh, to begin with, uh, and it is a it is a massive um, a subject um, uh, area that you know there are several pillars or pieces uh, that you need to understand as well. And one of the most uh, one of the most important pieces here would be really on education, right? Because again, uh, how can you how can your your target market or your audience or the customers you are trying to to cover would be able to uh, understand you or the concepts really without you having to really you know tell you know educate them and one way by which you can do that is again uh, the language right so um, and of course uh, Philippines being our being an archipelagic country with seven more than seven thousand one hundred islands with rugged terrains coastal towns etc I mean there are still also barriers uh, uh, such as again the, the the language I mean because you don't need to have it in English pure English because in, Philipp in, in, the, in the Philippines, Taglish is the, you know, the everyday language, right? So that's why we, what we did was really to put, uh, a, to offer a mobile app that is, in, in, that is in Taglish. So on top of that is that how do you now, because the, on the, in the financial inclusion as, uh, aspect as well is that, you know, of course, one of the barriers as well would be the lack of a, uh, on the national IED. Uh, in the country, uh, but, but but the good news is that uh, the government has uh, started with the first phase of uh, uh, at least from the from five million to twenty million will be the target for the initial phase to be able to provide them with a national ID. I mean, starting with the uh, lower segment of the population, uh, especially on how in, in dispersing social grants to uh, to the poor and vulnerable communities. So, um, well, that's, that's one thing, but it will also, of course, take some time because that's another end, barrier to entry because of the EKY, because of the KYC AML issue, right? So, but with, uh, again, with technology, um, there is such a thing as EKYC, right? So there's a, a liveness check. You can now uh, capture an image of your ID and they could now do facial recognition, uh, AI, uh, machine learning, etc. So all of these things uh, that will come into play would really, uh, hasten the process and be able to at least improve and expedite uh, the usual face-to-face -face slow um, you know process before right because if you're talking of millions of uh, individuals that you are about to capture uh, it will take some time right because you've seen a number of banks for example in the Philippines but and yet they have not covered the entire population because of that one barrier right because banks in the Philippines have been in existence for over a year for over 100 years and still we have that you know massive number of people that are not yet banked right so uh from the last estimates we have about 55 million adult filipinos that do not have savings accounts right so imagine that so there's huge potential there's huge opportunity for anyone in the market or for any one player 
to be able to capture that uh, particular segment. So I think what I'm trying to say here is that you know it's more of it's not really on uh, not really on. I think it's more of pushing for an inclusive uh, business uh, or social and beyond social enterprise, because again, at the end of the day, it's we are not a charitable institution. We are not. Uh, this is not CSR, uh, because practically this is a viable business that you could actually sustain moving forward, because having to have a sustainable business that is inclusive will really spell the difference. And and having the you know having those target market that you have captured or trying to cover would now be the one to ensure that you have that your, that your proposition is also being embraced and used by them to make it sustainable. So in fact, if I summarize really in what you're saying is that uh, there's a very large population of uh, people and not just in, in Philippines, but the same problem exists even in countries like India, where there's a large underserved uh, population with no access. So access is the first problem. And you're using a combination of technology uh, on the, through the mobile phones, plus education, which is very important to really reach out to these uh, new customers and bring them into the banking system. Now, in this scenario, uh, how can technology uh, really help? So it's not as simple as just uh, uh, having an app on a phone and giving it to them. They, I think you, you alluded to the fact that uh, the question really becomes is, how do you uh, figure out uh, if, if the loan is going to get repaid? Um, how do you, uh, so that's where algorithms, et cetera, come in, I, I presume. So can, we, can you talk a little about the technology that plays a role in expanding uh, banking or financial services access to the underserved? Okay. Um, because in the you know before this technology you know uh, before this you know this fintech uh, came in, uh, came into being, I mean you've seen that you know um, most you know in, the, in case of Philippines right so you don't see uh, bank branches in areas the in remote areas right mm -hmm. so because again at the end of the day it has to be a viable proposition for bank branches to keep their businesses there or their branches there right so and you know you don't see people to be going to those branches um, you know in uh, on slippers or in, in you know in in sandal etc because they um, you know for them it is not it is not really for them, right? So, uh, how do you now ensure that the farmers or the fisher folks or, or other ordinary people will not be able to have access to that? So that's why I think to your point, technology and digital uh, platforms uh, would level the playing field, right? Because if you have, because right now in the Philippines we have the proliferation of uh, mobile phones. I mean, there's the mobile phone penetration is so. Uh, it's so huge. I mean, so um, that to the point that, you know, practically the Philippines has been regarded before as a texting capital of the world, but now we're no longer doing texting, right? Because we're so much into social media. And now the Philippines is now regarded to be the number one in the world in terms of having the most number of Facebook social, Facebook wow. posts, right? So because we are a social media uh, uh, addict in, uh, you know, uh, uh, phrase, uh, uh, population right so we are so used you are so used to that so it's a matter of how you now convert that yeah. um you know that that proliferation of uh, of interest uh, using that device uh towards you know their financial welfare right and mm -hmm. how you can make use of that device uh to be your tool for education right so that's why how do you now 
make that practical, you know, that small device to be your bank, right? So to be the, the to be the one that will provide you with anything that you have that you can actually request, that you can actually that you actually want, right? So it may not only be just a communication tool, but it could also be a financial tool or, you know, or a livelihood tool or uh, a lifestyle tool, et cetera, et cetera. Because the mobile app in itself, oh, sorry, so the mobile device in itself is a very powerful device that, any, that you can practically think of anything that, you know, that you could put there, right? Because again, that is really the, and you know, um, the affinity of individual, of an individual to a mobile phone is so great that, you know, uh, uh, you know I think, you know, practically uh, more, I think more than 80% of, uh, you know, mobile users don't even turn off their phones while sleeping, right? Uh, or while they are asleep, right? Uh, and uh, I have a chance upon this, um, uh, this uh, article before that if um, you know if you if someone for example would be driving to their uh, to their office and at the, in the middle of the you know the, uh, halfway through the the office uh, or halfway through the house I mean before you 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 notice that you forgot your wallet the probability of you doing a U-turn just to get your wallet would be around forty percent but if it is your phone that you missed. <laughs> The probability of you making a U-turn is around ninety percent. Absolutely. Yeah. So because it, practically everything is in your mobile phone, right? All your secrets, all your you know, all your appointments, all your everything, right? So, and that's it, right? So because um, it's your mobile phone becomes your your how would I say it? your um, your your bank branch and it yeah your pseudo self, right? So pseudo self, yes. yeah, your it's 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 you, right? So right. and you're practically talking to yourself, right? So, and this transformation that is that you allude that you have talked about that basically uh, the the serving the underserved expansion of the market. Uh, who, who will be best positioned to drive this? Will it be the existing uh, financial institutions who've been there for many decades, or do you see them coexisting with? new startups, because we are seeing an explosion of startups, fintech startups, um, which don't have the legacy of the past, um, but which are very innovative in meeting customer needs. So sort of if you call them neobanks or various terms, the new fintech companies, how do you see the future evolving between these two? Who will be best positioned to serve this 50 plus million new market that is getting created? Well, I'm I'm a personal advocate of open banking. Uh, of course, coming from the PSD two uh, of the EU, right? So, and in fact, the regulator has been the Philippine regulator has been very warm about um, you know in terms of embracing it. And in fact, they just came up with a, uh, a draft circular on what they call open finance framework. So, uh, to your point, I mean, who will now be taking the lead, or who will now be more effective when it comes to servicing uh, or being able to capture that fifty five million? Um, you know, unbanked uh, adult Filipinos in the country. So I would say um, it could be it, it could be both, right? So anyone actually, for as long as you know, because again with open banking, even the legacy uh, banks would now be is actually now partnering or even doing its neo bank proposition, right? So for example, for RCBC, I mean, you know, when I came in, it's more of really having to have that fusion, having to have that 
that hybrid um, you know uh, you know offer uh, to the public. That's you know that's why we were able to uh, you know to maneuver it in such a way that you know we can quickly um, offer it to the public to do it to our consumers, right? So because you know the trust must also be there yes. because in any financial or banking service or product that you offer, the commodity that we are selling is trust, right? So, and of course, with the proliferation of, uh, you know, fraudsters, I mean, uh, cyber, cyber crimes, um, you know, uh, hacking, etc. I mean, that's why the investment needed really to ensure the protection of your consumers and the integrity and sanctity of your platform should always be at the, at the paramount concern. It's a great point. And uh, uh, I think if, if, we, if we look ahead, do you also see the rise of digital currencies um, enabled by the fact that everything is on a mobile, money is basically sort of fungible, digital, that you don't need the cash. Uh, as we all know, China is doing an experiment uh, with digital yuan. Um, how do you see sort of the digital currencies evolving? And could that be a powerful mechanism for uh, uh, central banks to basically um, uh, uh, spread the access to, to the unbanked or the underserved people? Well, I think if the question is more on will digital currencies be a reality, I think um, it will, right? But not now yet. It will take some time. Uh, because again, um, currencies uh, are supposed to be, you know, the, uh, the area or the domain of regulators, right? Um, because again, we have to have those regulators in place to ensure, you know, uh, the protection of the people as well, and to also ensure the uh, the monetary, financial, and economic stability of uh, of uh, one jurisdiction, right? So that's why I think uh, even the G7, I mean, that uh, you know, the you know the uh, the those developed markets, those developed uh, countries, have been talking about it, and even uh, for some of the what I call gem, the growth and emerging markets, are also talking about it, right? But I think it will come into play um, in um, in a way, in I think it more of experimental, um, but not really uh, on mainstream yet, right? Because it will, I think it will take some time. That's uh, that's my uh, that's my prognosis of the of the issue because I think there would be a lot of uh, uh, a lot of testing a lot of uh, of study to be made as well um, because again you know we've we've seen a number of uh, uh, of uh, what you know penalty hefty penalties being uh, slapped on some you know financial players uh, even on issues of on data privacy or data breaches, etc. Right. So I mean, these things. I mean, again, we just have to be extra careful about it, and that's why doing um, all these initiatives um, in our own little, you know, um, uh, communities or jurisdictions or markets, etc., may also help to make sure that it is really something that is working. Yeah, and. Um... So my last question before we get to our five ones towards the end is, uh, if uh, if you had to give a talk to entrepreneurs looking at the fintech space uh, going forward, what are the two or three suggestions that you will have for them to succeed in the fintech space? So fintech entrepreneurs, one, two, three, what would you recommend to them? I think the first one is uh, to go digital in terms of uh, accepting payments. Uh, 
and with them once they go digital and be able to accept uh, digital payments for all of the purchases that uh, their customers would be you know would be transacting with them would also mean number three, that will be number number two would also mean that they will not be able to create their credit profile along the way because there is already you know uh, electronic cash flow uh, going oh, on absolutely. from uh, between your uh, your customers and you right so that's number two so number three uh, once you have that digital payments and now number two creating that credit profile a uh, credit score or credit profile along the way then number three you now have the way you have now the capability or a chance by which you can now uh, access a cheaper uh, or affordable uh, 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 access to finance, I mean, meaning credit credit facility. And number four uh, would be, if I may add to your, yes. to your three items, is also being able to uh, be covered by insurance because in any business, insurance is part of uh, part of doing business, right? And yeah, and of course number uh, number five, in a in a particular in a micro entrepreneur. You have to complete the whole proposition. You have to have savings as well to put Great. your your profit. Absolutely. Great inputs. Um, I think it's been a fascinating tour through uh, the world of finance and especially the new world of finance where technology is, uh, especially through mobile phones, is really transforming what we see going forward. Uh, and great advice, I think, for entrepreneurs, I think, how to leverage the new world for themselves. And especially in, um, uh, in again, countries like Philippines, India, and Southeast Asia, we see a lot of micro entrepreneurs, uh, MSMEs, uh, for whom I think the adoption of, of uh, digital uh, finance can really be a game changer in terms of how they can um, build a better business and more profitable business going forward. Uh, so thank you very much, Lito. And we'll come to the last part of the five ones. So quick, short answers. Uh, of One future tech or trend that excites you. Hmm. There's just a lot. Hold on. I'm trying to check. Hmm. I think it's... Uh... Hmm. Hold on. Because I have so, I have so many so many things in my mind. So that's just that if you are to focus on just one, uh, it would be I think uh, more on the facial recognition. Great, great point. So facial recognition, which can completely transform what we are going to see going forward. One trend tech that has disappointed you, from its promise to what. Uh, the reality has been hmm. controversial question <laughs> <laughs> i think on um on the blockchain for finance Got it. um because we've seen you know we have seen a lot of uh, mm. stories about blockchain but we have seen yeah. we have not seen really a you know a, a boom right so a boom, right. yeah yeah perfect uh, one good book recommendation for people Book recommendation. I've uh, uh, cost ovation. I, this is the book uh, entitled "Cost Ovation." It's a fusion of uh, cost and innovation. Wow, that's an, that's I had not heard about that before. I think that's a great title, "Cost Innovation." Cost ovation. It's actually cost ovation. ovation. Yes. Cost ovation. Yes. Yeah. Cost ovation. Absolutely. Um, one good person or podcast 
that you would recommend people follow, uh, especially in the fintech domain or even otherwise, anything that you feel? Hmm. Uh, I've been following uh, the uh, IMF, uh, 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 the IMF head, um, and she's been very, uh, I think, she's social media savvy. Um, uh, she has several uh, posts, uh, social media posts about, uh, you know, you know, her activities and the and the and the things that she's been doing. So, I, I would go for the, the the current IMF head. Yeah, I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's Gita Gopinath. Yes. Yeah, so uh, it's, it's quite hard to pronounce her. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, and uh, she's of course of uh, Indian origin, and uh, she's very, very good. Uh, she's been speaking a lot, especially during the last few months, on what uh, countries also need to do. And final question: one key driving belief in your life. You've been very successful. I think. What sort of been a driving belief? Uh, okay. Um, I have this one thing that uh, been since since elementary. I think I, I don't know if I could still recall it. Uh, uh, if you want to be successful, it's just as simple. Know what you are doing, love what you are doing, and believe in what you are doing. Great words, Lito. Thank you very much. It was a wonderful conversation with you. And uh, friends, that was this edition of Martech Brain. We'll be back next week with uh, yet another edition. Thank you. Thank you.